You're about to hear a challenging message from Pastor Josh Burks at the Ashburn Baptist Church, Chicago, Illinois. like that song. I could feel the Spirit of God moving in this place this morning, and I'm excited to be here to be able to worship with you. We are continuing a series today called Open Heart. Everybody say that together. Open Heart. Ready? Open Heart. I think the heart is one of the most complex and vital organs in the entire human body. So goes our heart. So goes our health. But it's not just crucial to our physical survival. The health of our spiritual heart is vital to our eternity. And too often, I think we truly don't understand the real condition of our heart. Your spiritual heart is important. Last week, we discovered what we called the heart patience prayer. The heart patience prayer, for those of you that can remember it who are here. We're going to continue this conversation today, understanding the heart patience power. The heart patient's power. What is the heart patient's power? Well, God's word is power to our heart. God's word is power to our heart. I am the oldest child in my family. Yes, there we are, right up there on the screen. My dad's the guy with the earmuffs back there. Right in front of him with the glasses, that's my mom. The tall guy in the back. That's Chase. That's my sister's boyfriend. The really pretty girl with the red uh, coat. Is that a red coat? With the Adidas hat. That's, that's my wife. The handsome guy on the right. That's me. And that leaves the other two. The far guy on the left over there. That's my brother Caleb right there in the center with the blonde hair. That is Hannah. We all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. For instance, my sister Hannah has beautiful blonde hair. She also has a beautiful blonde brain at times, unfortunately. There's a story that I often make fun of her for that happened a few years ago, right before she graduated high school. Hannah was was remodeling her room, and she had purchased a bunch of things to go inside of that room that she got off of Amazon and shopping online. One of the things that she purchased was a lamp. She was excited about this room remodel, and she brought her lamp home, and she went upstairs and for several minutes was upstairs remodeling and setting up all of her new things for her room. But after several moments, she was frustrated. You could hear her talking to herself. And after a few seconds, she cried out to my mom. She said, Mom, this lamp isn't working. My mom cried back up the stairs. She said, hey, did you try changing the light bulb? Maybe try a different outlet. After several more moments, Hannah in frustrations comes storming out of her room with the lamp in hand. She stands at the top of the stairs looking at my mom saying, it doesn't work. See, click, click but it wasn't plugged in. My mom just lost it and started laughing and said, Hannah, have you tried plugging it in to the outlet? Have you tried plugging it into the power source? I think when it comes to our heart, we often don't have it plugged into the power source. We do our best trying to live our Christian life, but the harder we try, the more frustrated we get because we're not plugged into the power I I want you to see today how powerful God's word is. I think we find it in a single verse in Psalms where it says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Hey, our God's word will never run out of power. 
It never goes dim. It never runs out. It never gets tired. It'll be here tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Fads will come and go. Methods will change, but God's word will not. It is the same yesterday and today and forever. It will stand even when everything around it is falling because God's word has power. And today I want you to know that when it comes to your Christian life, it is this book that you must have to experience the power we're talking about today. When it comes to our heart, I think that the Bible is vital for our spiritual health. We started this study last week looking at a prayer from a man named David, a king of Israel, a person who was called after God's own heart. David, a man who penned those words, the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God will stand forever. David, a man who clearly understood the power of God's word. We find his story continue in 2 Samuel chapter 12, where we find the word of God being proclaimed to David. Through the prophet Nathan. And in this story, in David's life, we find God's word being used in three different ways. Three different ways that were vital to David's spiritual health. And I believe these same ways are important for you and I today. The first way that God's word was used in David's life was as a mirror. God's word is a mirror. Nathan comes to the house of David. He tells the king, I've been sent here by God. I have a word for you today. Nathan then starts to tell David a story. He said that there were two men in his town. One man was rich and had an abundance of sheep. The other man was poor and only had one sheep. The rich man had a guest who came into town, but he didn't want to use one of his own lambs to feed his guest. So he stole the single sheep of the poor man to feed the guest that came into town. And as Nathan was telling this story, David became infuriated. He said to Nathan, we need to find this man. We need to make him repay the poor man four times what he took. But then comes a plot twist. Here comes God's word. Are you ready? 2 Samuel 12, verse 7, Nathan says to David, you, you are that man, says the Lord the God of Israel. Hey, here comes the word of God. David, you, you're the man. You're the one who stole from the poor man. You're the one who took the sheep. And I'm sure in this moment, David was totally blindsided. I'm sure in this moment, David's hands probably started to get a little bit sweaty as he realized he was caught and the sin that he tried to hide for a long time had caught up to him. David was shocked. See, he, he slept with a woman named Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the wife of one of his soldiers named Uriah. And after trying a few other plans, David found himself in a place where he felt like he had to kill Uriah. Because if he killed Uriah, it meant that he could marry the widow Bathsheba. And by doing that, he could be the hero of the situation rather than the villain of the situation, the sinner of the situation. But God's word found him out. He couldn't run from the truth. And I think a lot of times in our life, we find ourselves in a similar position 
where we do our best to hide the things from God that we don't really want him to see. But I want you to know today, God's word will always find you out. God sees all things, even the things that you don't want him to see, he sees. And in David's life, God's word was a mirror so that David could see his reflection, to see the condition of his heart for what it really was. Sick. His heart was sick. James actually talks about God's word being a mirror as well. And he said, God's word reveals who we really are. And when it does, we have a decision to make. We have two choices. Here's what he says in James 1. He says, be doers of the word, not just hearers deceiving yourselves. For anybody who's a hearer of the word is not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once, forgetting what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, bearing no hearers who forget, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. James says when God's word acts as a mirror in our life, either we respond in obedience or we retreat in disobedience. We either respond in obedience or we retreat and disobedience every single morning, including today. I get up, and one of the first things I do is look at myself in the mirror. Does anybody else do that? And I do. That's one of the first things I do. I, and there are days where I get up, and my hair is going in the completely wrong direction. There are days, now that I've tried to grow a beard, where my beard is just sticking out, and I've got to do something about it. There are days when I have crusties in my eyes, and everything isn't going super well. Just woke up. Not cute, though. Like, not cute at all. And when I look at my reflection, I can either respond and fix it or retreat and do nothing about it. And when God's word acts as a mirror in our life, when we hear the preaching of God's word or the reading of God's word or the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in you, we have that same decision to make. We can either respond and fix what God is pointing out, or we can run away. We can retreat and do nothing about it. I wonder, how do you respond to the mirror of God's word? What do you do when the word of God comes forward in your life and reveals something to you that shouldn't be there? Do you respond or do you retreat? What do you do? In February, Karen and I went to a conference It was one of the best conferences I've ever been to. At the message, the pastor, his name is Louis Giglio, began to preach a message and he began to proclaim the word of God. Maybe a passage that you've heard before, he began to preach. He he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Thou hast prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Louis got to this point in his message, and just like I am, he was seated among the crowd. There were two chairs at his table. 
And he said, God has placed your table in the presence of your enemies. But that doesn't mean that you've got to give the enemy a seat at your table. He didn't pause for a long time and he said, I wonder, have you let the enemy take a seat that belongs to God? While he's preaching the message, I felt heavy, heavy conviction. Like it was super clear that the word of God was being proclaimed and it was being proclaimed for me. And sure, I could come up with every kind of excuse. Like, life wasn't going super good. I had a lot of discouragers. There were a lot of things going in my life that was causing a lot of drama. But the reality was is that even though God placed my table in the presence of my enemies, it doesn't give me the right to give the enemy a seat at my table. I I gave my discouragers a seat that belonged to God. I gave my enemy the focus that belonged to God. When the invitation came, Pastor Luio said, you've got a decision to make. And I did. I had a choice to make. Was I going to respond to God's word or was I going to retreat from God's word? That's the same decision that David had to make in 2 Samuel 12. Was he going to respond to the word of God or was he going to retreat from the word of God? Here's exactly what happened. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, the Bible says, Then David says to Nathan, I have sinned. I have sinned against the Lord. David said, you're right, God. I see what you see. Your word has been a mirror in my life. I see what's going on, and I have I have sinned. David chose to respond to the word of God and not retreat from it. And because David chose to respond to the word of God, we now see that the word of God can become a second tool in our life. God's word can now become a scalpel. A scalpel. God's word has convicted David in an area of his life that was a little bit off, that was sinful, and he responded with admission to his sin. And then David, the author of much of the book of Psalms, writes us his response, how he's responding to 2 Samuel chapter 12 in Psalm 51. Here's how it starts. Check it out in verse 1. He says, God, have mercy on me. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly of all of my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He says, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. You found sin in me. Now, God, I'm asking you to get it out. I'm asking you to cleanse it. I'm asking you to blot it out. I'm asking you to wash it out. I'm asking you to cleanse it out. I'm asking you to cut it out. Do whatever it takes. Get it out of my life. Here's how Hebrews says it. It says the word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. He says, God's word is a scalpel in your life. 
And David says, God, I want you to take your scalpel and I want you to perform surgery on me. Your word is like a blade to my heart. You found sin in me and I'm asking you to cut it out. I'm asking you to fix it. And for some of us, this heart surgery, if you will, is salvation or heart replacement surgery. We call that salvation. Ezekiel chapter 11 says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh. Some of us don't need a heart fixed. Some of us need a heart replaced. We need God to save us. We need God to not fix our old heart, but to give us a new heart. We call that salvation. And salvation is possible through Jesus because he lived a perfect life, didn't sin a single time, and then he died on a cross. And the Bible says that if he didn't do that, we would spend eternity in a place called hell without him because our heart is sick. But through Jesus and how he lived and how he died and how he rose again from the dead, we can have a new heart, a heart that calls heaven its home. And I want you to know today that salvation isn't a weekly decision. It's not a decision that you make every Sunday. The Bible says that it's a moment and in that moment where you place your faith in Jesus to save you from your sins, that God will take you and place you in his hand and nobody's ever gonna be able to pluck you out of the Father's hand. Nobody can take it away from you. And in this moment of faith, we by faith trust God to save us from our sin and give us a new home in heaven. We've been given a new heart. We've been given a new home because whoever believes and calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And for some here, you might need that surgery. You might not need to fix what's already in there. You might need to replace what's already in there. Heart replacement. But some of us here are saved. And we don't need heart replacement surgery. We need heart repair surgery. We call that forgiveness. Because some of us are saved. We have been given a new heart by God, but we still sin. And that doesn't mean we've lost our salvation. We can't lose our salvation. But rather, like David, it means that we messed up. We've done something we regret. And what's even sadder is that when we sin, our relationship with God is off. It's shifted in a way that it should not be. There's something between you and your God. But through God's word and through the power of forgiveness, we can repair our heart and we can restore our relationship with our God. Here's how Paul says it. He says, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna continue in sin so that grace continues to abound? Absolutely not. God forbid. He says, you have been saved and you do have mercy and grace, but it doesn't mean you keep sinning. It's bad for your heart. It's bad for your health. And maybe there's a Christian in this room under the sound of my voice through the preaching of God's word who are recognizing an area in their life that's just off. You need to repair it today, friend. You need to go to God and ask for forgiveness. And I got great news. 
God says that he is faithful and he's just and he will forgive you of every single sin. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. This past February, I sat in my chair at that conference. The invitation came and I went to God and I said, God, I'm I'm sorry. God, I sinned against you. God, the enemy's taken my focus away from you. I'm asking you to forgive me. God, I'm done living this way. I'm about to rip the chair out from underneath of my enemy because that chair belongs to you. That's your chair. You deserve my focus. I'm not letting the enemy win any more battles. And in that moment, I just said, God, forgive me. And guess what? I found forgiveness from God. God began to repair my heart. He began to repair my relationship with him. And maybe today God has shown you an area of your life that's out of focus. Maybe today you need to go to God and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for my wrong focus. Forgive me for my sin. And David did that. He said, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, wash me. And and, and as a result, God's word was a mirror. And then it was a scalpel. And now it could finally be used in another way. And I love this way. God's word could be used as a medicine. A medicine. See, right after Psalm 51, we find Psalm 52, because that's how numbers work. It's another Psalm of David. Listen to, how it's, listen to how it starts. It says, but I am like a green olive tree in the house of David. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I'm going to thank you forever because you have done it. Thank God you did it. And I think a lot of times religion says do, and Jesus says done. Hey, it's already been done. Your sins have already been paid for. Find forgiveness. Here's how another writer says it in Proverbs. He says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Don't let them escape from your sight. Ready? Keep them in your heart. Because they're like life if you find them. (laughs) They're good for the healing of your flesh. See, right after you have this physical heart surgery, you're going to need some medicine because they want you to fully recover. And I have good news. After God's word performs surgery on you, he's not going to leave you to do life on your own. His word then starts to act like a medicine because he wants you to fully recover. He's not going to leave you to do this by yourself. He sent you his word so that you could bring it all in, soak it all in, live every single day with the word of God. It's good for your health. Psalm 23 has kind of become my anthem in 2020. Like a verse that I read to myself over and over again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And even though I walk through the valley of shadow death, I don't fear any evil because I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
You make me to lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. You lead me through paths of righteousness. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil because I know you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And even though you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies, I'm not going to let them have a seat. Hey, listen, when God's word speaks to you, run those words through your soul over and over read them and read them again and read them again think about them meditate on them memorize them write them down let this book be a medicine to your soul because god's going to see you all the way through to your spiritual recovery he's not going to leave you he's not going to leave you you know there have been times (coughs) where the enemy has come up to my table and tried to take his seat back i just keep kicking it out from underneath me Actually, that's the reason why we're here today. That's the reason why Kara and I, and we're seeing what we're seeing and all of our team that came from Ashburn because we just decided we're gonna kick the chair out from underneath the devil. He doesn't deserve that place in our life. And listen, he doesn't deserve that place in your life either. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, because I'm not. But it means that God's word is a mirror, a scalpel, and a medicine in my life and I'm recovering. God's working in me and he wants to work in you too. I have a question today, Ashburn. Are you allowing God's word to do God's work? Thank you for listening. If you don't already have a church home, please join us for one of our upcoming worship experiences. We would love to connect with you. Ashburn is a wonderful community where you can grow in faith. You can follow us at ashburnbaptist.chicago or visit at 3647 West 83rd Street, Chicago, Illinois. Thank you.